Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. I trust the Lord to bring me out. How many can say that you trust the Lord to bring you out? I mean, you're not trusting government. You're not trusting your company. You're not trusting your family. You are trusting the Lord to bring you out. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Thank you for your anointing that continues to destroy every yoke and remove every burden. Thank you for this wonderful word you're about to impart into us this morning and helping us to remind us that you are the one who brings us out. Father, for these next few minutes, we ask that you... Lord, cause us to be attentive by distractions and cast them out. Let your anointing continue to minister to your sheep this morning. And Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. We've been in a season which God continues to send us a word that emphasizes the importance of trusting Jesus in every area of our lives. I heard when Senior Minister Harris was giving the testimony and giving her introduction, she talked about how that the word is making the difference in our lives if we take heed to it. And what I mean by trusting, we're having confidence in Jesus. We believe and we believe and are convicted that he is able to deliver us, protect us and prosper us. In the month of July and August, we have heard messages like trust in the Lord with my final victory. My faith must be in the Lord's release. I must trust the Lord to keep me. And the Lord is my hope. He is my trust. Messages that were designed to stir our faith and bring about maturity when it comes to trusting in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And having the ability to trust God in the midst of trouble, Pain and afflictions is a sign of a maturing faith. What I mean by afflictions, evil work, hurtful works, bad works, painful and unhappy works, unpleasant things happening. But yet you're still trusting God is a sign that you are maturing in your faith. And faith that will cause us to stand on the promises of God, despite what we see hear or experience and and deal with is a special thing because it helps us to deal with afflictions and not run from afflictions. Afflictions by their very nature can cause harm to the righteous. And what I mean by harm, physical or mental damage to the righteous people. Afflictions can come directly or indirectly from various sources, sources, sources such as loved ones, family members, job, business, health, and so forth. Whether it's a family affliction, mind affliction, body affliction, job affliction, business affliction, and so forth, they tend to cause harm. Sometimes one can experience several afflictions at the same time. You can be dealing with a mind affliction as well as a body affliction, well as a family affliction, as well as financial affliction, all at the same time. There's no rhyme or reason to afflictions, which to me is one of the reasons they cause so much harm. Afflictions are real. 
and they affect the righteous in different ways. Afflictions can cause harm in every area, but there is one, there is no affliction, and I do mean there is not one that the Lord cannot deliver us from. There's not one affliction that God cannot heal us mentally or physically from. Afflictions can affect how we think, talk, and conduct our lives. But no matter the affliction, the Lord can deliver us out of them all. What I mean by deliver, he can save us out of each and every one of them. He can rescue us. He can snatch us away. He can tear us away and cause us to recover. That's why Psalms 34 19 is so powerful. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. People would do some type of evil to you and twisted things and unpleasant things and, and you'll see and experience these things, but we all, but we all understand that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us out of them all. Sometimes our own flesh, that part of us not under divine or godly influence can lead us into afflictions that can be difficult as well as unpleasant. But Psalms 34 and 19 is clear. Many or numerous are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous are those who are just in character and conduct. Those who have been vindicated by God. But the Lord will deliver us. He will rescue us, cause us to recover, preserve us and save us out of them all. And I believe there are two or three people in this sanctuary that know that God delivered you out of them all. How many know in 20 in 2020 and beyond God delivered you out of every last one of those things that you went through? Even in 2021, God is doing a great job in delivering you right now. Now, if he's not delivering you, it's just good to know he's keeping you while he's delivering you. Oh, that's good news right now. We have to know that as born again believers who are trusting in God's word and his power, that many afflictions will come our way as the righteous. But God has a rescue and recovery mission plan that makes his promises come to pass. Not only does God deliverance come to rescue and recover us, but he promised to preserve and save us in the process. It's important to mature in our faith when it comes to knowing God's word and trusting God's word. Our escape plan is in the word of God. It might be a financial escape plan where God tells us we need to give, give, so it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and run it over. It could be a stress escape plan where God says, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. It could be a sickness and disease escape plan where he says, by his stripes, we are healed. It could be a rejection escape plan where God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And whatever the escape plan, no matter how many times you need to use it, God is clear. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I must continue to watch and pray so I can hear the, the details of my escape plan. Ooh, thanks be to God. He got an escape plan. We know that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
At times, my flesh is weak when it comes to hearing and obeying spiritual instructions. That's why I thank God that we continue to trust the Lord wholeheartedly. One thing I have to understand that when we're dealing about God delivering us, it suggests that I'm currently dealing with something that my faith, my confidence, my conviction and assurance in, is in knowing that the Lord is going to bring me out. And I must acknowledge that I need deliverance. I got to acknowledge I need to come out. I got to acknowledge I need rescuing and I need saving. The problem some people have is, is that they like the situation that they're in. They like being, and I just use one example, drama. They like drama. They don't want to leave drama. You can try to rescue them all day, but they got to find out the next piece of gossip that's coming their way. They got to know what you, what Sally said about Joe and what Joe did when he heard what Sally said. They got to hear that. Instead of them pulling away and letting God deliver them, they, they want to stay right there. And no matter how much you try to get them out, they don't want to come out. And when they don't want to come out, leave them there. Because you can get messed up trying to rescue somebody that don't want to come out. Going back to Psalms 34. Psalms 34 is interesting to me. Scholars believe that David wrote this psalm at the time where he escaped two kings. Not just one king, but two kings along with their resources. See, a king is... Not a king without an army. A king needs an army. So when David escaped, we say two kings, not only did he escape one king and their army, but he escaped two kings and their armies. Why is that so important, Pastor Dobbs? See, David could escape Saul and this other king anytime. Because you know David was a fighter. David could actually beat up most people that he fought. One-on-one. David, listen, one-on-one, you don't want to mess with David. Because David was the real deal. He was one that could handle himself. But you notice when we read this in just a moment, that David was in a situation where he had escaped two kings, but also their armies, as well as their chariots and their horses and their swords. So when he escaped these two kings, David was a happy man. He would say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Let me show you how happy he was. Psalms 34, verses 1 through 4. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. David was happy when I would have been happy, too, if I had escaped two kings. If I had, listen, I fall out. In fact, the Bible says here in verse four, I was in fear, but I escaped. And so now, hey, I'm a happy, I'm a happy person now. I'm happy because I just escaped two kings. And one, well, I'll get to that in a moment. It's not enough just to say that we are happy Christians if we're not going to help others see Christ in us and follow him. 
People need to see Christ in us in our daily interactions at work, at our fa- with our family, with our spouse, with our children, and even strangers. It's something about him or her. They seem so happy despite what they're dealing with. Hallelujah. Let's look what we believe is inspiration for um, what some scholars believe that he, why he wrote Psalms 34. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 verses 10 through 15. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 verses 10 through 15. The Bible reads as follows. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul. So he fled from Saul that day. He got away from Saul. Not only get away from Saul, he got away from Saul's armies and horses and everything else. But he went to Achish, the king of Gad, and the servants of Achish said to him, Is not David the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another and dance his hand? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he knows what David did. He changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down to his beard. Woo-wee. Did you see what he did? He literally, as Grant Hill went to the door, looked at the folk, changed his whole countenance. All of a sudden, he looked like he was crazy. He, he started scratching on the wall. I imagine his facial expression looked crazy. He started letting slobber fall down to his beard. And they looked at their brother like, what in the world? Is this the same David that people are singing about? Now, let me go before I go there, because I thought about something. It probably don't affect none of y'all. But I don't know if the Lord gave him permission to do this. But before you go and try to act crazy to get your way out of trouble, you better check with God first. Because it might not work for you like it did for David. Because some of y'all, well, well, I just say y'all, we've seen some people on social media that try to act crazy to get out of trouble. And it, it don't necessarily work for them. So you may not be able to do like David did. It's not like, well, David acted crazy, so why can't I act crazy? No, we don't know if the Lord was telling him to do this, but we do know if, you don't, if you're not led to do this, they're going to lock you up and throw away the key. I just say Now, then Achan said to his servant, look at, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? So shall this fellow come into my house? This man said he didn't come to my house. He's not even coming in my house. And do you blame him? Well, I'll leave that there. So David surely understood. And then he escaped from this particular situation. So David had escaped from two kings, not only the kings, but their spears. He escaped from their horses. He He escaped from their armies or their whoever they had working for them and their chariots as well. So you see why David was such a happy camper up in Psalms 34 verses 1 through 4. This man just escaped. 
And I, I can get mad with David. I'd be happy too. If I escaped two situations, one, he evidently he was fearful when he was in that situation. And we read in verse four, hey, Psalms 34, one, uh, excuse me, 34 and verse four, he said, hey, I was fearful. But God caused me to escape. Oh, I appreciate the fact. And, and I appreciate David being honest. Because sometimes I believe people are not honest with God. And not honest with other people. It meant sometimes you were just afraid. Look how y'all looking at me now. I didn't say you stayed afraid. I just said you was afraid. I remember one time recently I saw a mouse. And I, I, I ain't gonna tell you I was all in, in, in Hondo Shikataya. My first reaction was to run and take off. But I figured somebody got to deal with this mouse right here. And so I had to, There you go. <laughs> Didn't feel like being strong, but I had to deal with the mouse. Because either the mouse was going to have what it was at, or I was going to kick the mouse out of the house. Now, y'all follow me? And so, I, I'm not saying, and I remember somebody asking me, well, how did you feel, Pastor Dallas, when you saw it? I was afraid. <laughs> I was scared. Do you want me to give you the Hebrew versions of it, or the... Or the I gave the Bill of Record version of it. I was scared. <laughs> but I had to deal with it. And I dealt with it and got rid of it. So David was honest. He says, I was afraid. I was fearful. I was fearful. Now, the Lord had the details to David's escape plan, even though I didn't read anywhere we consulted God before he got out of it. But see, it was what we consider an unorthodox way of getting out of situations. Unorthodox means they were contrary to what is usual or traditional. Sometimes you may, you can't put God in a predictable box to know how he's going to do things. God may tell you to go fishing, and the first fish you catch, pay your taxes and mine. God may tell you to do that. God may tell you to do something that is unusual in your opinion, but normal to God. Are uh, y'all following me here? So let's go to Psalms 34 and 17. We'll go on down a little bit. Psalms 34 and 17. And remember now, David's escaped. He's happy. He's singing the praise of God. But there's something in, we're going to read from 17 through 19 that David learned that I believe we all can learn from that will help us in our everyday walk with God. So notice Psalms 34 and 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. So notice what David learned. The righteous, those who are in good standing with God. Those who are in good standing with God. That's why to me it is so important to continue to develop your relationship with Jesus. Every day, you got, that's one thing I pray that we as a church will continue to develop our relationship with Jesus. One thing I was reading in our uh, upcoming Sunday school lesson, one, this whole lesson is about one group of people who did not repent after God had warned them to get their act together. Would not even repent. I said, God, I don't, we do not want to be that church that does not, we're so high-minded, we can't repent. And ask God to forgive us when we don't do wrong. 
And one thing I've noticed about God, and we've studied this for the last few months here, is, is that God knows you're going to do something wrong. It's how you react after you do something wrong that he's more concerned about. When you mess up, say, God, you know what? I messed up. I did wrong. I need to repent. I need to get this thing right. And then whoever I need to go to to repent, I need to do the same thing. I just can't walk around all high-minded and act like I didn't do anything wrong when God is sitting there looking at me and say, hey, you messed up. You the pastor, you got to get that right. You the brother, you got to get that right. You are the deacon, the minister, the leader. You got to get that right. Why are we so high-minded that we can't admit we're wrong? I'm not concerned about the world. I'm concerned about us as the church, as the body of Christ. When we mess up, we have to get it right. That's how we stay in right standing with God. I am more concerned about us being in right standing with God than I am with anybody else. Because when the righteous, righteous, notice this, cry out. Cry out simply means ask for help. Ask for help. When the righteous cry out and they ask for help, the Bible says this, the Lord hears. Shekabah. He hears, he perceives, he uh, he gives heed, he listens. And before he can deliver, before he can do anything, I got to make sure I'm in right standing with God. Before I do any dancing, any getting, anything else, I got to make sure I'm right with God. Yeah, I love you, but I got to be in right standing with God. Yeah, I like doing what I do, but I got to be in right standing with God. Because he says, the righteous cry out. I got to be right before I cry out. And what's said, it don't take a whole lot to be right. It's just asking God to forgive you for what you did wrong and changing your ways. And learn this, you will always be changing your ways if you walk with Christ. Always be changing your way. Yes, you changed last week, but you better look out. You got to change this week too. Because somebody didn't pray like they're supposed to this week. Somebody studied their Bible like they're supposed to this week. Somebody did not. You told God told you to do something. Some of us should have been dancing all week long because God been good to us, but we have not did one dance. We have not one time. We have not said thank you, Jesus, one time. Some of us got the nerve to eat food without even praying over it. And now, God's given us opportunity to get that right. And let me say this to you. This is not for you. This goes for me as well. This goes for everybody in this sanctuary. God knows what we need, don't he? So the righteous, those who are in good standing with God, Cry out and the Lord hears. He listens. He gives heed. He receives. And think about this. When somebody cries out, think about this example for, for a moment. A good mother or daddy hears the cry of their five-year-old child, especially if that child is simply happily happy and does not cry. It does not matter what the parents are doing. They will hear that cry for help or that tone of distress. They're going to see about that child. 
We can learn from the, from the best, the best of them though, our Heavenly Father is the greatest example to bring about rescue efforts when we are in trouble. Go to, if you don't mind, go to Psalms 46 and verse 1. Psalms 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice what he says. God is our refuge. He is a shelter from danger, from storm and falsehoods that we can trust. Not only that, he is our strength. He is our security. He is our might and he is our power. Based on that, he says he is a very present help. That means he is help right now. Right now. Right now. In this sanctuary, God is helping you right now. In this sanctuary, as I told to you right now, God is helping every believer, including myself, in this sanctuary. He's helping us right now. You don't even know how he's helping you, but he's helping you right now. You may not understand how he is helping you, but God is helping everybody in this sanctuary right now. He's helping us. He is is helping us. What is he doing? He's assisting us. He's making things easier and he's aiding us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because he knows we're going to deal with trouble. He going to know. Listen, some of us need to learn how to deal with trouble. Adversity. Learn how to deal with tribulations and trouble and distress. He says, you know what? I'm helping you right now. Because sometimes we have to learn. And thank you, Lord. We need to learn how to deal with trouble. It's not that trouble going to stop. He said, learn how to deal with it. Notice this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Notice he said, you're not praying these away. You got to learn how to deal with these. Because you got to trust that God will deliver you out of every last one of them. And so he goes on to say here, in, in Psalms 46 and 1, he is our refuge and he is our strength. Thank God that he is the one that can help us in every situation of our lives. Deal with adversity, afflictions, distress, tribulations, and so forth. Now, let's go back to Psalms 34 and 17. Psalms 34 and 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and knows what he does. Two promises that powerful promises that God makes for his people. One, he delivers. He's going to rescue you. He's going to snatch you away. going to cause you to recover. He's going to tear you away. They're out of all. How many is all? All. One hundred percent. That means every last one of them. The troubles such as distress, difficulties, issues, and problems. He, we can expect assistance, support, and relief regardless of the situation. Whether it's a job, a business, a school, a relationship, financially, in our, the health of our body, and so forth. It doesn't matter. God will help you and deliver you out of them all. And it is a blessing. That God's help is not based on how big or small our problem is. Because you know in the eyes of God, there's no such thing as a big problem. (laughs) 
to us. Yes, they're huge, humongous. They are overwhelming. They get the best of us. But the God, he like, they are small to God. And I want to look at it from God's point of view instead of my point of view. My point of view means I'm leaning to my own understanding. My point of view says, I know how we're going to get out of this. My point of view says that it's over before it even got started. But God's point of view says, I got you. Woo-wee. Boy, isn't it good to know God? No, he got you. Oh, thank you, Lord, for he's got me. But I got to drop another bombshell on you. We must learn that we cannot choose how God helps. We cannot choose how God helps. Let me break that down to you a little bit. But when I heard this, I said, Lord, help me to get saved. God is choosing to go down this aisle right here. He's choosing to go down this aisle right here. But we want God to go down this aisle right here. You know why? Because this aisle is easier. This is, oh, I'm not going to get hurt in this aisle right here. I'm not going to look bad in this aisle right here. It's going to work out. Listen, it's going to go, that probably going to go just like that. Don't this aisle right here. But God says, no, nah, I'm on this aisle. And you know what God's going to do? He's just going to sit there and wait for you. He will let you go down the aisle, back up the aisle, down the aisle again, and back up the aisle, and he'll still be here waiting for you. Well, you ready to get started now? Are you ready to get started? I mean, you know, I, I see you right up and down the aisle like you got everything together. You know how it is, because who wants stuff our way? We want God to solve problems the way we want God to solve problems. Not the way he wants to solve them. Because, see, God will solve the problem. They're like, yeah, I got you. I'm going to heal your body. And you're like, right there, God. Woo, right now. Let me take this aspirin to heal my body right now. Let me take this and do it right now. Oh, God, I need you to solve my financial problems. And then what does God tell you to do? Give. Hold on, God. I need money right now. I need money right now. I need you to look, put the money right now in the account and let me go deal with this situation right here. And, and what did God tell you to do? Well, I don't have enough, God. And God said, okay, well, give. Give. Well, God, God, that ain't what I'm t- asking. God, are you hearing my question? God, are you hearing my question? Are you seeing the problem that I'm dealing with right now? Do you see how they both, they calling me right now. They want their money right now. Oh, yeah, I see them. <laughs> Now, let's go over here. Let's give. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, you know, you think about any problem you got. And you know how we like to solve them. You know how we like to lean on our own understanding. We want it fast, quick, and hurried. And we want it just like that. We want God just to whoo, wave his hand, his, his powerful hand. No, we call it, we're deep and spiritual. Your powerful hand, God. You do it now, God. And then, but God will... Do it just like this right here. He is still going down the aisle. He's going down. He's not changing for anybody. He, he, you can get mad, upset, and when you finally come to your senses, you're going to do it like God wants it done. You're going to lead, you don't lead to your own understanding. You follow God's plan for your life, and this is your rescue plan. Your rescue plan does not look like your rescue plan, because God chooses to get you out the way he wants to. 
Sometimes he's going to say, pay every bill on time until I get you out. Y'all missed that day. All right, I'm providing for you to pay every monthly bill on time and in a, in a godly manner, but you want to pay it off right now. I do too. Yeah, God, I want you to. You, you said you're going to cancel my debts and everything else. And God said, pay this bill on time. Well, God, you know, I got something coming up. Pay this bill on time. Are y'all following? See how God, he does stuff the way he, his rescue plan is his rescue plan. And God doesn't change his rescue plan to do what you want because you in a hurry. You want it now. You want it, do it done your way. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to go through any trouble. You don't want to have to change the way you're doing stuff. You don't want to change your attitude, your character. You want everybody else to change. Oh, they give me trouble on job. God, won't you change these folks at my job? And what did God say? Mm-hmm. I'm going my way. Well, God, these folks, my supervisor is not treating me right. I, I don't, they don't understand. I'm a child of God. I can't go back to cussing no more like I used to. God would cuss every last one and get me another job. But God, you told me to stay here. I got to stay here. What are you tell me I got to stay here for? No. Nah. But God said, yeah, I want you to stay here. I want you to do it the way I want you. I, don't, I can't go, go. You can't go back to do it the way you think you ought to do it. You got to follow his plan for your life. You got to follow his plan. Follow his plan and God, you do it the way God wants it done. Everybody seeing that? I want you to see that because to me, when I say, God, you know what? You're going to deliver me out of them all, but you're not going to do it the way I want it done. I got to, I got to follow your plan. And I can't, and I can't get in a hurry neither. I'm like, you're going to do it when I want it done. I've got to follow the plan of God. Somebody say this with me. I got to follow the plan of God. And that's so important. If we're going to be delivered. We must learn that we cannot choose how God helps. Any person, situation, relationship that will bring distress, difficulty, issues, and problems in our life, the Lord has a plan to rescue or tear us away from that situation. And he can choose how he wants to do it and when he wants to do it, neither. Hallelujah. And boy, when I read that, I said, God, I need to be saved all over again. Because I want God to do it a certain way, but God said, I'm going to do it my way. Now, in reality, we may love a personal situation more than we love our plan of escape. Woo! The Lord may be saying, watch this. I'll give you another example. The Lord could be saying she's not the one. She says she's saved, but you don't see the evidence of her salvation. She's the same, she is the same person, she's the same, or quote unquote saved person. She knows how to talk the game. She knows a few scriptures, but she may not be the one. Now, brother, you consume your time, your finance, and your resources. You upset with her. But the Lord is saying, pause, but you continue on. As mentioned earlier, our deliverance plan may be unorthodox, not in traditional burning bush experience. It could be that God is saying, pause, stop, wait, and separate. Another example could be you turn, uh, you try to turn your life around. Get your finances together, your marriage together, stay in the word of God, but your so-called friends are trying to pull on your time, resources, and tell you that you shouldn't be in the word of God. The word is, the word is an escape plan. But, and they'll tell you something like this, it don't take all that. 
Man, are you kidding me? A decision will have to be made. Am I going to trust the Lord to bring me out or follow ungodly advice? Obedience is the key when it comes to God's deliverance. You got to have, I, I use this terminology here. We need a trail of obedience. A trail. We got to learn to obey when it doesn't make sense. We need to continue to be obey God, give heed to his word, follow his godly instructions, consent to what God is saying, agree to the word of God so that we can eat, devour, or consume the good of the land. That which is beneficial, that which is pleasant, that which gives us the profit. Isaiah 1 and 19. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Our willingness is just as significant as our obedience. Our ability to yield, to accept, and desire to do what God wants to be done. And we should not allow disappointments to hinder our willingness to obey. Let me say this to you, and let me put this on the table so you will not leave saying, Pastor Dobbs didn't tell you. You're going to be disappointed sometime walking with Christ. You're going to be disappointed. You might as well get over it. Just go ahead and, and uh, mature in the word of God and the ways of God. And it's going to be disappointing. But if you're not saved, you're going to be disappointed too. So you might as well get saved and be disappointed with Christ. Your flesh, the way you want to do things, you're going to be disappointed every now and then. Don't let, don't let that stop you. Everybody don't get what they want when they want it, how they want it. God does. Everybody else got to follow his plan. Follow his plan. But you're going to be all right. Tell somebody you're going to be all right. I believe there's a distinction between a process or a mindset of those who are willing and obedient, as well as those who are humble enough to sincerely cry out to God for help. Sometimes our obedience is to cry out for help. Notice where he told them, David said, Psalms 34 and 17, the righteous cry out. Could it be that his crying out was him being obedient? Sometimes we can get so high minded that we forget that God would tell us, I just need for you to cry out. Simply, simply put, ask for help. Are we too proud to ask for help? Are we too, I got this, to ask for help? In my opinion, a humble heart is not prideful or arrogant or filled with excuses to justify their actions. They're just meek, respectful, humble, grateful, and eager to please God. Usually humble folks have been through some things that broke them down to the point that they realize all that I am and all that I hope to be is because of the grace of God in me that operates in me. I believe that truly humble people operate in a close relationship with God. They're constantly checking in with him with words like, Lord, help me to be the person you want me to be. Lord, help me to respond in this situation like you want me to respond. Jesus, help me to think about this person the way that you think about them and not how I want to think about them. That's humility. That is humility. Let's go to Psalms 34 and 18. The Bible says this. 
The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. So to, to give you a little closer look at that scripture, the Lord is near. Near is an interesting word because it means you have a personal relationship, a personal relationship. So the Lord is near or has a personal relationship to those who have a broken heart, a crushed or shattered or a wrecked heart. And save such, it has a contrite spirit. Those who are feeling or expressing remorse have a sense of guilt, feeling sorrowful for a wrong done. See, life has a way of breaking us to the point that it may seem like we can't escape the pain, but it's good to know that God is with us. In fact, the enemy wants you to be so consumed with the pain that you can't see your way out. Oh boy, you ever had a good heartbreak? It's hard to even talk to folks. Jesus makes it clear, even when Luke had to deal with this very issue. Luke 4 and 18, Jesus says this in Luke 4 and 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal, to cure, to make whole who? The broken hearted. Those who have shattered strength, they've been crushed, they've been broken down, they've been broken into pieces. To proclaim liberty of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. See, not everyone comes out of their situation untouched emotionally. Let me say that to you again because that's so important. Not everyone who's being delivered, who has to come out, comes out untouched emotionally or physically, which means that once they come out, they're going to need healing. They're going to need healing. See, when the Lord brings a person out of something, he may cause relationships to be broken, friendships to cease, work relationships to come to a halt, or even best friends to no longer be best friends. See, the Lord does this to rescue us because he understands which relationships in our life are toxic and not beneficial to our spiritual growth and development. As the Lord brings about deliverance in our emotional ties, he understands that there's some hearts may be crushed and shattered and there may be a feeling of guilt or shame. So the Lord has to heal the broken hearted. He has to heal it. Those that have been broken, those that have been shattered, those that have been broken into pieces, God has to do that. And I thank God he can do that too. Give him time, he can heal every broken heart. Give him time, he can heal every broken heart. Because sometimes you think that they broke up with you or you broke up with them, but sometimes God allowed that to happen because it was really detrimental to your future. Mm, mm, mm. Boy, they didn't get that, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. God knows your future better than you do. And so he understands that some people in your life who quote-unquote best friends, they need to be separated. They need to be separated. And let me say this to you. Doing right, you will be afflicted. Doing right, you will be afflicted. Well, Pastor, I'm never, oh, I... I'm the righteous now. I shouldn't be afflicted. 
But scripture says many are the afflictions of those who are in right standing with God. So righteous people deal with afflictions. They deal with afflictions. The Lord has the power to heal those who have been dealing with afflictions, who have been crushed by life, those feeling guilty about their past, or even those who feel guilty about last week. Hallelujah. So he, again, this shows me the Lord understands that the righteous people deal with afflictions. And let's go to Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And I, you know, and what's interesting about it, many of them. And see, I, I, I could pray all day. You don't get afflicted. I could pray until Jesus come back. You don't get afflicted. But I'll be wasting my time. My prayer is this. You deal with it the right way. You deal with it the right way. I pray that we pray for each other. And one thing I was, I was looking at this when he put 18 in there. I was wondering what kind of broken relationships that David could have had along the way. But he had to let some people go. Had to let some people go. Let some friendships go. Let some uh, uh, relationships go. And he said, but God will heal you when you have to do that. He's not telling you to let something go and then he leave you out there to fend for yourself. He says, I'm going to help you with that. I'm, now, I know a problem getting many man's with that, but that's reality. That is reality of where we at today. Righteous people should not be surprised by afflictions or allow our feelings to cause us to act immature. Let me say that to you again. Righteous people should not be surprised by afflictions or allow our feelings to cause us to act immature. First Peter 4 and 12 reads as follows. First Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, th- do not think it strange. Don't be surprised or astonished concerned the fiery trial which to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's important for us as believers to understand during the process of deliverance that God will allow us to deal with no more than we can bear. No more than we can bear, especially at times where the weight of responsibility may seem like it's on our shoulders along with afflictions. I thought about this. Responsibilities and afflictions all on the same shoulders. God will not allow you to go through more than you can bear. It may seem like it's rough. It may seem like it's hard. But always remember, God will not allow you to go through anything that you can't bear. Scripture reference, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We must trust the Lord to bring us out of every situation and circumstance that we deal with, no matter how long it takes and whatever mean God chooses to use. Again, we got to allow God to choose the way he wants to deliver us. I know that ain't always easy because God's not going to choose the way. Sometimes you got to sacrifice your flesh. 
Sometimes you got to tell things that you want no one would do. No. But it's for your betterment. That's why you have to trust the Lord to deliver you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, I want to close with three points to consider when the Lord brings you out. Because understand this, we are going through a process, even today, that the Lord is delivering us from something. I'm talking about right now. As I talk to you right now, the Lord is delivering all of us from something. I want us to consider three things in this text that we've learned today. When the Lord brings you out, three things to consider. Number one. He's got the power to bring you out. He's got the power to bring you out. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, the strength, the ability, the miracle working power, the force and the might that works in us. He's got power to bring you out. Whatever you're dealing with, God's got the power to bring you out. Just like he brought David out of his situation, there's not a situation you are in right now God can't bring you out of. You're dealing with debt, God can bring you out. You're dealing with challenging your body, God can bring you out. You're dealing with mental issues, God can bring you out. Whatever you are dealing with, God can bring you out of it. He's got the power to do it. He's not weak. He is not limited in power. God is unlimited. Two, we must wait on the Lord to bring us out and not get ahead of him. We must wait on the Lord to bring us out and not get ahead of him. And I put this as a side note. Don't lean to your own understanding. Got to wait on God. Isaiah 40 and 31. But those who wait who look for, who hope and expect to do the work while waiting on the work, do the work while you're waiting on the work, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, Sarah and Abraham, wait on God. Sarah, Abraham, wait on God. Don't go get the woman on the side and then get mad when it don't go like you want to go. Don't get upset when you try to lean to do it your way and get ahead of God and then all of a sudden stuff go wrong. Because he knows what's best for you. And if God hadn't got you out totally, don't rush God. Don't rush him. Don't rush him. But when you rush him, you got your own way of doing things. Don't be surprised if you have another situation that rises up and you're like, why have I got this situation? And God, won't you move this situation? You know, God let the situation happen then. You know, God did not step down there and do anything about it. I want you to know something about God. When you try to do it your way, he'll let you do it your way. And then when you ask God to move it, he's like, okay, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That child grew up. 
And sometimes you can, you can do something your way and that thing will grow up on you. It'll grow up on you and you may not like the results that you see. But you got to deal with it now. You got to deal with it. And it's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. And so we all got to learn how to wait on God. Is that right? Those I said all of us, including Dobbs here too. Woo. All right, three. We must trust the Lord to deliver us despite what we see. We must trust the Lord to deliver us despite what we see. Second Corinthians 5 and 7. For we walk by faith, not by what? Sight. We walk. We conduct our life. We progress in life by faith and not by sight. We got to trust him. The Lord has power to bring us out one. So whatever you're dealing with, I'm talking about, I'm talking about financially dealing with your body. I'm talking about whatever it is, mentally, relationships, careers, jobs, whatever it is, whatever it is, trust God to deliver you. But you got to do it his way. He's got power to do it. You can't name one situation God can't get you out of. I don't care how bad you messed up. Let me tell you something. One thing I learned when I was looking at, when you look at everybody in the Bible, ain't, ain't just one, everybody in the Bible. Everybody. Hallelujah. Everybody. Everybody. God had a plan to get everybody out of this situation. It was like when they messed up, he just knew they were going to mess up anyway. He like, okay, I got it. You think about when Adam and Eve did what they did. Did he not have a Jesus already in the midst? Because <laughs> he knew that Adam and Eve would eat the fruit that was in the garden. And he said, you know what? I still got a Jesus ready to deliver, ready to redeem mankind. And he did he not have a plan already in process. So it's good to me that when we do mess up, God already had a plan to get us out of our situation. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for the plan. We must wait on the Lord to get us out, and we must trust the Lord to deliver us despite what we see. How many trust the Lord to bring them out of all? Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.